Well, welcome to Life Church. It's good to see all of you today. My name is Dylan Johnston. I'm the Brookfield campus pastor. Uh, well, thank you. And I oversee youth at all of our locations, so it's good to be back here. I was talking with my wife um, uh, earlier this week, and I came to the realization that I have not been here on a weekend at our Germantown campus in over seven months. And so uh, for, for some of you, this may be the first time seeing me. And uh, for others of you, it may be um, the first time in a long time. But it's good to be here today. It's good to be with you. I want to stop before we dive into the message today and just take a moment to give honor where honor is due and to say thank you to Pastor Aaron and Miss Tammy Cole for leading Life Church well. Could we just honor them but with a hand clap and uh, say thank you for leading all of our campuses well, leading, leading us into what God has for us. It is an awesome to see all that God is doing, even uh, in, in this season and, and however difficult it might be for, for, for all the different reasons. But it's really good to be here today, and I just want to thank you for that. We are continuing our series, Highlights. Um, if you've been with us this summer, you would know we've been walking through this series called Highlights, where uh, the different communicators are discussing passages in the Bible, stories, uh, verses that... Uh, we would highlight that we would think God is not just speaking to those people at that time, but God is speaking to us. And uh, how many of you know that the Bible is, is not just something that is written about history, but it is something that God is, uses continuously to speak to our present day lives. It is not just something we look back at um, for, for reference, but we look back at to look forward to what God is doing in us. And so as we look at these verses and we look at these stories throughout scripture, we can see that God is wanting to do a new thing in us exactly where we are, and that God is speaking to us, uh, that it is not just that God chose these people long ago, but God has chosen us, and he wants to speak to you. And so today, if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to go ahead and turn to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1 will be in verses 7 through 9, and I'll, I'll kind of detail some of the story before and after it just to clue you in. Um, but Joshua is begins with Joshua the leader taking over as the leader of Israel. And um, it's this moment where his hero Moses had died. Many of you know who Moses is. Maybe you've seen the movie where he does the ten plagues and leads the children of Israel out of Egypt. Maybe you've read the book of Exodus and Leviticus and Deuteronomy and so you know some of the journey or, or maybe you just know some of the cultural references that link us back to who Moses is. Well, this is where we find this the beginning of this story. And, and I don't know about you, um, but, but for me, that would be quite a, uh, quite a difficult situation to, to try to wrap my mind around. For Joshua, it was about becoming the new leader of God's people. Um, and I don't know if you've ever been in a moment where you felt that something was just bigger than you, uh, bigger than you could handle. It was overwhelming. It was insurmountable. Um, but about 10 months ago, my wife and I had our first kid. And I just got to tell you, there's nothing more overwhelming than after having that little human and, uh, and, and the nurses give you the all clear and they kick you out the door, um, you put that, that little miniature bite-sized human into your car seat and no one comes home with you except for you two and your kid. The nurses stay at the hospital. The doctors don't make house calls. Like, they, they don't send you home with a pamphlet of instructions. They don't even give you a user manual. Like, you've got to kind of figure this thing out on your own. And, 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 they, and they, don't, they don't really lay it out well. And so, like, that's intimidating. And so, 
I remember uh, it was a Monday night. My wife and I are driving home from the hospital with this new crying thing in our back seat. And it's, it's scary. Um, it's intimidating. It's overwhelming. It is a lot to digest. Uh, and, and, and maybe you, you find yourself in a situation like that today. Not, not with the brand new baby. Maybe for some of you that may be the case. But, but maybe for some of you it's something entirely different. Um, and I think as we walk through this transition that Joshua underwent, uh, something that would have been in his own strength massively overwhelming, we will see how God can speak to us and utilize us even in the midst of moments that seem way bigger than us. God is still present. And so I want to walk through Joshua chapter 1, beginning of verse 7. God is speaking to Joshua. And it's like this moment where Moses has died. The leader of Israel, God's chosen people, has passed away. Now Joshua is being picked. It's like you're the next man up kind of moment. And there wasn't a long leeway. There wasn't a long runway. It was being like thrown into the fire, if you will. And this is what God speaks to Joshua in Joshua chapter 1, verse 7. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. It makes sense that Joshua would be nervous about the future. It makes sense that Joshua would have questions. It makes sense that Joshua may even at times doubt. And yet he is commanded time and time again to trust and uh, to trust in God and to focus on him. Essentially what we see God saying here in a brief summarization that we'll, uh, we'll dive into as we go throughout this is God is saying, focus on obeying me and I'll take care of the obstacles that you face. It's powerful advice we all need to remember. And I think really we, we can see three clear instructions given to Joshua here in this text that speak not only to Joshua and what he's going through, but speak to us in our lives today. The first thing is this, be strong and do not fear. Be strong and do not fear. The verse said, be strong and very courageous. Again, it repeated in verse nine, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. Do, do not, for the Lord your God will be with you for wherever you go. One writer uh, about this passage and about the, the concept of fear in the Bible writes this. The most often repeated commandment in the Bible is do not fear. It is uh, in there more than 200 times. That means a couple of things. If you think about it, it means we are going to be afraid. It's not that you're never going to have fear. It's not that you're, you're never going to be faced with scary situations. It means that we will be afraid and it means we shouldn't let fear boss us around. The writer said, before I realized that we were supposed to fight fear, I thought of fear as a subtle suggestion in our subconscious designed to keep us safe or more important, keep us from getting humiliated. And, and I guess it serves that purpose, but fear isn't only a guide to keep us safe. It's also a manipulative emotion that can trick us into living a boring life. And my friends today, you and I have not been called and created to live a boring life. 
You're not sitting in this room as a Christ follower today or someone on the verge of making the decision to become a Christ follower today as someone who has been created and called to live a boring life. We were not made and placed here on this earth just to trade days for dollars that one day we will die, put six feet into the ground and then hopefully leave some sort of inheritance for our kid that they can have a slightly marginally better life than us. No, no, no. If that's all we were designed for, I'm sorry, we're doing something drastically wrong. We were designed for much, much more than that. Don't get me wrong, make wise financial decisions. Don't get me wrong, work hard and save. Don't get me wrong, enjoy your time while you're here. Don't get me wrong, be faithful in the process. Yet all in the midst of it, you were designed for way much more. God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And it's not just to make money. It's not just to have kids. It's not just to have a job. It's not just to be successful and get awards and get plaques and and have presentations. No, no, no. God has a plan for you and it's not a boring one. So we see here with Joshua, it wasn't a boring existence. In fact, he was being launched into something that was massive, a a big undertaking to lead God's people into the promised land. But to lead God's people into the promised land meant he had to kick the people that weren't of God out of the promised land. It took a process. You see, I think in 21st century Christian uh, American Christianity, we can be lulled into a boring, mundane life if we're not careful. We go to church on Sunday, we wake up on Monday really tired from the weekend of whatever we did to make ourselves tired on the days we should have been resting, and we go back to work. And many of us hate where we work, and so we drink way too much coffee in hopes that it speeds up the day, only to realize that midway through the day we're jittering, needing to down some food because we forgot breakfast that day. We find ourselves at lunch sitting across from people we don't really enjoy, and we end up having conversations about things we could care less about. We go back to work at 1 p.m., and we work the rest of the day just counting down the hours, looking at the clock, hoping that that 3 p.m. will just somehow magically jump to 5 or 6 p.m., and we can be in our little Kia Sorento driving home 20 minutes to wherever we may live, getting inside the door and being tackled by a kid and two dogs and then questioning if we did anything right in life. Can I just help you? Man, if that's all you got, we're missing it. You were designed for way more than that. You were designed to, be, to, to make a difference in this world. I, I, I preached a message last week in, at our Milwaukee campus, and I, and I let them know that, that God has chosen them. And God has chosen each and every single one of us to make a difference in our world. And, and my, one of the phrases I said was that God has, yes, chosen some people to make a difference in the world overall, the grand scheme of things, but that's going to be very few. Listen, let's be honest. Not all of us are going to win the gold medal. Not all of us are going to be president. Not all of us are going to be the a celebrity. We can tell our kids all day, uh, we can tell our kids that all day that they can dream and be whatever they want to be, and that's true and that's great. But it's much more true and much more great and much more awesome to tell them that they can make a difference in their world, that they can make a difference in the world around them, that they don't have to wait for someone else to do it, but they can be the difference maker in the society in which they find themselves, and they can change the circle in which they live. You and I were designed to be influences, influencers in our circles and in our areas. We were not just designed to wait calmly by hoping that someone else will take the reins and lead the charge. You see, we were designed to take steps of faith. 
All throughout the Bible, we see men and women who continue to take steps of faith, and sometimes they missed it, and sometimes they got it correct, and sometimes they maybe took a step of faith when God wasn't calling them to do exactly that, but God still honored their step of faith because they were willing to step out and trust that he was going to show up. All throughout the Bible, we see these stories of faith, and we were called to do the exact same, and yet I think it's easy for us to mistake taking steps of faith and taking steps of risk. You see, risk and faith are very closely associated, and yet they're also staunchly different. And, and here's what I mean. They can look a lot alike on the surface level, and yet as you dig down deep into them, you can realize that there are some differences that separate them from one another that are actually quite key in the makeup of what the concept is. Risk. Risk and faith, they're both scary, but here's the differences. Risk is led by desire. Faith is led by the Lord. Risk says, I want. Faith says, Whatever you say, God. Risk says, this is for me. Faith says, this is about God. You see, risk is regrettable. If you take the wrong risk and it doesn't pay out, it's regrettable. If you take the wrong risk and you invest in that portfolio and it crashes, it's regrettable. But a step of faith, listen, I've never once met a person in this life that took a step of faith and regretted it. I've met people that took steps of risks. And time after time, when they don't, when they don't play out, then, then, then it's something to regret. But I've never met a person who took a step of faith, trusted in God, and regretted it. Risk versus faith. Risk is a sign of arrogance. It's saying, I can beat the odds. I can be the one person that overcomes this. I'm one in a million. I'm, I'm the one who can actually win. Faith. Faith is content with whatever the outcome is. Risk says, I can beat the odds. There's one desirable outcome. This is all about me. Faith says, I'm going to trust. And whatever comes out of this thing, that's what happens. You see, I see this very clearly in the scripture when they, um, in the book of Daniel. And it talks about the uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And, and, and everyone else was being told to bow down to this image that was made in honor of the king. And these three Hebrew children refused. These three Hebrew, uh, they were teenagers at the time, refused to bow, bow down. And, and they were told, we're going to literally throw you into a furnace. And you would be burned alive if you refused to bow down. And they still said, we won't bow. So they're about to throw them in. And the guy said, hey, listen. We believe that our God will rescue us from this fiery furnace today. But even if not, we will praise the Lord. Whew. We can stop right there and preach a whole message from there. But even if not, that's a step of faith. It's not, it's not I've got to have this outcome or else, God, I don't trust in you. No, no, no. It's, I'm going to believe that you will do it. But even if you don't show up, even if for some reason you have a greater understanding, even if my family doesn't reunite, even if the business doesn't play out, even if I felt like I was supposed to do this and it doesn't work out the way I envisioned it would, God, I will still trust in you. I will still depend on you. I will still look to you. I will still turn to you. For God, you are not just the one who created me. You're the one who saves me. You're not just the one who saves me, but you're the one who sustains me. So even if I don't get my way, God, I'm going to trust in you because I shouldn't have even been here today had it not been for your grace. Man, that's a step of faith. And that's the difference between faith and risk. You and I have been called to take steps of faith, and I think far too often we're leading comfortable, boring lives, occasionally taking risks, but rarely taking steps of faith. The second thing we see God speak to Joshua is this, focus on God. 
Over and over, it said, obey the law. Meditate on the word day and night. Let it sink deep into your heart. Keep it always on your lips. Do everything written in it. Note that God's instruction to Joshua is to return to the word of God. Note that God's instruction to Joshua in moving forward is to look back to what God has already said, which is a good message for us today. Maybe you're there in the midst of the unknown trying to figure out which way to go. Maybe you've asked God, you've asked God, you've asked God, and it doesn't seem like there's any further direction or clarity in your life for what you've been praying about for so long. Listen, when you don't know what to do, go back to what God has already said to do. When you don't know what to do, go back to what God has already said to do. When you don't know what to do in your job, go back to being faithful day in and day out. God has called you to be a worker who shows himself approved who correctly handles the word of truth. When you don't know what to do in your marriage, go back to the word of God. Love your spouse with, with a selfless abandon, laying yourself down, willing to serve them regardless of whether it helps you. When you don't know what to do as a parent, go back to the word of God and continue to sow faithful seeds because the Bible says that when they grow old, grow old, they will not depart from the teachings that they learned as a kid. Uh, when you don't know what to do in this life, go back to the word of God and continue to faithfully plow the ground in which you find yourselves because that is what God has already called you to do. When you don't know what to do, go back to what God has already spoken to you. That's what we see God telling Joshua, to trust in the word, to trust in the word. And you don't have an answer for your future, but you can go back and learn who God is and what he does. You see, the Bible is not just a collection of stories written about history. The Bible is about, uh, about God interacting with people. And as we begin to read these stories, we see how God's character matches out. We see how God's character plays out. We see how God responds to situations. We see what God likes and what God dislikes. We see who God is. We see how God is faithful even when we're not. We see how God's love is greater than any love that you and I could ever give. We see that God is willing to always show up even when no one else is. You see, as you read throughout the Bible, the story in David and Goliath is not just about one awesome kid with a sling and a stone that can defeat a giant. No, no, no. The story is really about God doing miraculous things and letting people play a small part. The story of Esther is not about this bold woman who is willing to stand before a king and, and, and cry out for her people who are about to be slaughtered, but it's about God using a woman and positioning her within a place of, of, of influence that she might be able to, at the right time, speak and the king listen and, and make a change. You see, all throughout the Bible, we see these stories, and it's about people listening to God and responding accordingly. It's not about those people specifically. You see, we could get real spiritual, and we could go all throughout the Old Testament and see that the Old Testament really all points to Jesus in the first place. That if you look at uh, Adam and Eve and how Adam felled by eating in the tree, uh, eating of the tree of knowledge of good and evil in the Garden of Eden, uh, we, we read that, that, that sin came into the world through one man, but salvation, uh, the scripture says, it comes through one man as well, and his name is Jesus. That Jesus is the true and better Adam who passed the test in the garden, and we can go all throughout the Old Testament realizing that it all points to Jesus. And so when we're reading it, it's not just about a long time ago, about thousands of years ago, how, how, how these people lived, but it's about God interacting with people, and the greater story that it's telling is a story that you and I can have life changed because of what God is doing. Hebrews chapter 4 lets us know that the word of God pierces to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, even judging the thoughts and attitudes of our heart, meaning that it helps, it, it speaks to the very soul of who you are as you read it, as you study it, and as you digest it. The word of God speaks to those deep places in your life. 
We see in 2 Timothy that all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Meaning it's beneficial. That when someone tells you it's outdated, when someone tells you it doesn't make sense, when someone tells you that, that, that it may not line up, just realize the Bible speaks about itself, that it is helpful in correcting, rebuking, convicting, and training. That it, that it brings about new life, it brings about new energy. Uh, I, I've heard it like this, that the more times you read the Bible, the more things you will see that you never saw before. So do you find yourself questioning what to do next? Do you find yourself unsure of what's in front of you? Do you find yourself unsure of, of where to invest or what to do or how to fix your family? Listen, listen, listen. The answer is not to look ahead. The answer is to look back and see what God has already spoken. The answer is not just to try to go to the next guru and the next, the next Mr. Fix-It or Mrs. Handyman. No, 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 no. The, the answer is to go back to what God has already spoken and let the word of God speak to your current situation and bring new life again. Focus on the Lord. And here's, here's the beautiful thing I love about what God speaks to Joshua in this story. And it's the third and final thing. God tells him, remember, God is with you. Remember, God is with you. And I, and I think that, that we're being told the same thing today. Remember, God is with you. It said, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Do you realize that this is why the command to have courage and not to be afraid is possible? Not because Joshua was some just mountain of courage who had the ability to see things that other people couldn't and was able to stand firm in his faith when everyone else faltered. No, no, no. The reason Joshua could receive the command to be strong and courageous and to not be afraid was because God was going to be with them wherever he went. The reason Joshua was able to hear the words that, that God was saying to, to look to me, focus on me, depend on me, was because God was going to be with them wherever they went. The reason Joshua could trust God when God said, hey, I want you to march around this village. That's how you're going to conquer it. Uh, God, you want me to do what? Yeah, I want you to just march around it. Um, God, I've, I've read up on war. I've read up on strategies. This isn't one of them. Uh, not, not one of them said, be silent and take a lap a day. And then on the last day, take a bunch of laps. And at some random moment, we're all gonna just yell and bang and blow horns and bang drums and something's gonna happen? God, I just gotta be honest with you, I've Googled it, this doesn't work. You see, the only reason Joshua had the ability to trust that God was going to show up was because God was very present in those moments. And God was with him wherever he went. I love this. Because the Bible says that in his presence, there's a fullness of joy. It also lets us know that perfect love casts out all fear. And there is no fear in love. So, so we can walk through all of the scriptures and how they connect to one another. And we can see that the perfect love of God that is with us always because he is omnipresent. We can know that there is no fear when we are following him. We can know that we can be full of joy. And you may say, but the anxiety, the, the, the depression, it outweighs it all. No, 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 I get it. I understand. There's stuff going on. You've got to get help. You've got to see the people. You've got to take the medicine. You've got to do what you've got to do. But at the end of the day, there is a fullness of joy in his presence. 
So yes, do what you're supposed to do on this earth, but go back into God's presence. Do what you're supposed to do here to, to, to faithfully be obedient and to fix the issues you find yourself in, but go back to God's presence. Do what you know to do, but at the end of the day, go back into God's presence and trust that he is working out things that you can never work out in your own strength. The Bible reminds us that in our weakness, his strength is made perfect. That we could never do some things on our own, but God. In the midst of our struggles, in the midst of our inability, in the midst of our failure, in the midst of, of us making a mess of it all, God is strong. Remember that God is with you wherever you go. Psalm 23 reminds us that even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil. Why? For he is with us. For he is with us. I love that the psalmist, uh, the psalmist included that. For he is with us. That's why we can walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And that's why we do not have to fear because he is with us. It's not because you're so great. It's not because you got it all together. It's not because you have all the answers. It's not because you're so strong and determined and you've got, you're, you're going to grit it out. No. It's because he's with you. And I wonder sometimes in our life how, Maybe not consciously or purposefully, but how subconsciously we may have forgotten that he's with us. We go throughout our day and we check the boxes and we do what we're supposed to do. And we show up even early to work and we leave late and we care for our family and we do all that we're supposed to do. And yet at the end of the day, we can easily forget that God is with us. In the midst of the good days and the bad days, he's there. When you feel all alone like no one is near, God is there. When it doesn't make sense and you seem a little bit confused, God's there. When your student or your child isn't following the ways in which you've raised them and they no longer love the God that you attempted to teach them about, God's there. When your marriage seems on the fritz and it seems like nothing is going to reunite you, God's there. And when everything else seems to crumble, we can realize that God is still present. I look back at my life and I ask myself, where would I be had it not been for God being present in certain moments? Where would I find myself? Where would my mind have led me to go? If I just trusted in my heart, where would I have been today? The Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things. Who can know it? If I just followed my truth, where would I be today? But in the midst of those moments where I questioned, where I doubted, where I was unsure, and where I didn't know, he was present. So maybe you find yourself in a situation like this today. Like Joshua, it's a situation that seems insurmountable in your own strength. It's, it's something that you, you don't think you can overcome on your own. Or maybe you're, you're, you're brokenhearted and, and, and you don't know how to fix it. Well, Psalm, Psalm 34 reminds us that the Lord is near to the brokenhearted. And he cares for those who are crushed in spirit. So I don't know where you find yourself today. Maybe you're, jo you're like Joshua and it's not not following your hero, but it's attempting to do something that you've never done before that really doesn't seem possible. Or maybe 
you just have the weight of life on your shoulders and it's too much to carry and you've come to that realization and conclusion here today. Whatever it is, I know this. God's command to us is God's command to Joshua, be strong and do not be afraid. Focus on God. Fix your eyes upon him, the author and finisher of your faith, who for the joy set before you endured the cross, scorning and shame, and is now seated at the right hand of the Father, as we're reminded in Hebrews, uh, in the book of Hebrews. Fix your eyes on him. Why? How? Those are good questions. But God reminds you the same thing he reminded Joshua. I am with you wherever you go. If you make your bed in the heights, I am there. Or if you make your bed in hell, I am there. And on your good days, I am there. And on your bad days, I am there. When it all seems to be going according to plan, I am there. And when it seems like nothing in this world seems to fit together and the puzzle pieces are all incorrect, I am there. God reminds you today, he's there with you. So maybe you feel alone. You're not alone. He's right there with you. And here's the thing that gives me the most encouragement when I read the story of Joshua. God's not calling you or I to be Joshua, right? That's the good thing. Sometimes when we read the Bible, we, especially the Old Testament, we can look at these heroes of our faith and think God's calling you to be David. God's calling you to be Moses. God's calling you to be Joshua. No, he's not. Because Joshua is just a foreshadowing of Jesus. Jesus is the true and better Joshua. For while Joshua was able to lead the people of Israel and offer salvation for them, Jesus, the Greek name for Joshua, Joshua the name means the Lord who saves, Jesus offers a better salvation. Jesus brings salvation through his battle, not with Jericho, an earthly city, but with the powers of death, sin, and hell, and the grave. Jesus doesn't just provide salvation for one group of people in one time in history, at one place, and for one area. Jesus provides salvation for all. For all people, of all nations, of all ethnicities, of all time periods, of all income brackets, of all ages, Jesus offers salvation for you. And the picture, the picture of walking around a wall in hopes that it may fall is perhaps one of the clearest pictures of Jesus doing the heavy lifting in our lives. For march and march and walk and walk and stay on the journey and be faithful in the process and keep walking and keep marching. And maybe the best encouragement from this story is that the Israelites did not say a word for days. Shut your mouth. Get off social media. Stop listening to the news. How good has it done you? How much has it helped? How good has it made you feel on the inside? Not at all. But instead, listen to the word of Jesus. Be faithful in the process. Be quiet in his presence and let 
him do the work. My friends, for some of us here today, that's the most encouraging thing we can hear is that Jesus does and has done all the heavy lifting. Will you still experience difficulties? Of course, you know how life goes. Will it still get rough? Yeah, you bet it will. Jesus even told his disciples, the ones he loved the most, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So friends today, take heart, take heart. For you don't just have a good general in Joshua, you have a good savior in Jesus. You don't just have someone who can lead you into battle, you have someone who's already won the battle, who's gone before you, who fought it for you, who got the victory, and now it's up to us to rest in that victory to be faithful to follow, to trust as he leads, to depend on him endlessly, to in our weakness run to his strength, to be strong and courageous, to not fear. For there's nothing this world can throw at you that's going to make God up in heaven freak out a little bit. There's nothing this world is going to uh, throw at you. There's no tectonic plates that are going to shift that God in heaven is going to have to stand up and question, what, what did I make? What's going on down there? God is with you. God is present. So I invite you, as I believe God's inviting all of us today, to lean into his presence, to trust in him. Be strong. Do not fear. Not because you're great, but because he's great. Would you pray with me today? Lord, we love you and we thank you. And we're so grateful that this thing does not depend on us. For if it would, it would be a a grand mess. But God, I am so grateful that you do all the heavy lifting, that you broke the chains of my sin, that you have forgiven me and made me brand new, that you have given me life and life abundantly, that you have provided a way out when I didn't see a way out, that you bring strength and encouragement, that you give us the ability not to falter in fear, but to stand firm in faith. And so Lord, today I choose to trust in you, to follow you and to look to you even when I don't know the way. Lord, I love you, I thank you, I give you all glory and honor and praise in Jesus' name, amen. Thank <laughs> you.